Hello, service coordinators. Welcome to the service coordinator podcast. This is podcast number seven. Hopefully by now you guys have subscribed to the podcast and liked it and shared it and commented and all that stuff. So um, number seven is the lucky number seven, I think, Tara, because I don't know where we go from here is what I was thinking last night because <laughs> Mark Ricketts, president and CEO of National Church Residences, kind enough to join us today to talk about affordable housing and all things service coordinators. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Why did it take you to seven to get to me? I'm kind of feeling like chopped liver here. Well, we needed to uh, kind of <laughs> work some kinks out and stuff like that. So I think we're ready. Now, so, <laughs> And welcome, Tara. Thanks, Dan. Well, Mark, um, I've got some questions down here. And, you know, we will get to some service coordination stuff. But um, I really want to find out a little bit more about you before we get into that and, and kind of your journey to being kind of presidency of national church residence so um you know can you tell us how how you ended up coming to the national church residences yeah pretty easily actually i was uh, i was friends with tom slimmer as a child if you can believe that oh i didn't uh, know that <laughs> yeah we i went we went to the same church uh so the church that i grew up in was a church where tom and jody slimmer went uh, and so i knew him as a youngster but my career took me to dallas texas and uh, moved back oh i think i was probably about 30 years old and i hadn't seen tom in 15 years i would guess frankly i'm not sure i could have remembered his name although he was in my church and jody was my sunday school teacher you know those are pretty uh, hard to remember all that but uh when i came back uh there was a uh, an advertisement or a, or a article about national church residences uh and how people you know were beyond the board and i thought hey that sounds like something that would be if you don't mind me saying advance my career go volunteer so i called up national church residences and i said i'm mark ricketts i work in the real estate industry i'm a financial person so i did financing and i said i'd be willing to volunteer i'm really interested in knowing what you do so it started out with me making a phone call but the person who called me back was tom slummer wow. he said mark did you know i worked here and i said no idea never knew it uh, and so he called me and interviewed me, and over time they decided to add me to their board of directors. And so I was uh, six years on the board. And then, of course, years later, four years later, I was invited to come work here. So my entire career was spent in real estate finance. Uh, and so that's what I knew. But Tom wanted me to come here and bring uh, business skills uh, to the organization. At that time, we were doing our first low income housing tax credit. Uh, and I understood that financial model for my real estate side. So I was bringing real estate skills. Uh, I didn't know that I was going to so enjoy the people side because most accountants, financial people don't, they're never accused of being good with people. <laughs> and it turns out the people side of what we do is what I love. And I do less and less of the real estate stuff all the time. So how long ago was that? 21 years ago. 21 years ago. So, yeah. And so there's very few people that beat me on the career ladder now, but I think Michelle does. Michelle Norris has been here 26 years, and I know Cindy Evans beats me and Cindy Kahn and many people in the field. But I would tell you, at the time that I came, I think our service coordination program was probably maybe 10. I would guess we had maybe 10 or 12, not many more. About uh, six months after I came on here, it exploded. Uh, 
funding became available, but also you got the energy of, of Terry Spitznagel and off she went. When mm -hmm. I first came, there was a woman, Villarreal. I cannot remember her first name, but her second name was Villarreal. She was running service coordination. Of course, I didn't know what it was. I'm a real estate guy. What do, what do they do? Well, they coordinate services. Okay, I can handle that. And off we went. So, Mark, when you think about the time you've been with National Church Residences from when you first started, when there was about 10 service coordinators, what are some of the things you've learned about service coordination over the years? Well, I've learned that that term service coordination doesn't do it justice. I think it kind of sounds like the way it's written, it kind of sounds like you're in charge of some kind of calendar of activities and services for every senior, and you just keep track of 100 people's life uh, by, by doing it with some kind of schedule. Um, I think what I now know today is that better health care, better living for seniors uh, is really has a payback to society. And that if, if we can offer what I think they call the social determinants of health, but if we can offer folks a better living, that we can offer them a better life. And housing is a part of that. And obviously what I'm real comfortable with is building communities. But what I recognize is if we're having a great year, we can advance better living by building buildings, maybe maybe 1,000 seniors, maybe even 1,500 seniors. That's a crazy low number when you consider the fact that we're the largest in the country at doing what we do, the largest by a lot. And we think it's great to add 1,500 units of housing for seniors. So if that's the only intervention we have to advance better living, then we're failing seniors. And so I look at service coordination in its current state and its future state uh, to, to being that juice that says, okay, what's the other things that we can do to advance better living? And there's about a million things that would fit in that category, but they all have an equal payback, at least collectively. I would say it, I do believe that building apartments for seniors is the greatest health intervention that we can do the greatest quality of life enhancement. But 1,500 people, give me a break. That isn't enough. And when they come in with us and choose to live with us, uh, our ability to interact with them and advance better living by looking at other social issues is tremendous. And of course, then there's the healthcare intervention. Uh, I grew up in a healthcare home. Uh, my mom is a nurse. Uh, my other sister's a nurse. My other sister's a home health aide. So, and Frankly, my mom worked at one of our campuses. Maybe you know that story, but my mom was a nurse at one of our campuses most of my life. And I look at the healthcare component, and that's what I, I thought I understood. But I can tell you that most people don't want to go to this style of living. They want to do everything they can to avoid the healthcare intervention. And I think service coordination is all about those things. I wrote down some thoughts that I might run with, but I thought, better living. How's that defined? And I'd say some would say it's where you live. Some would say it's how you live, maybe it's affordably or maintenance-free. Some would say it's who you live with, that's how you advance better living. Some would say better living is when I get some help at home, in-home supports. Some would say it's when I have an active social life or when I'm making friends. Some will say that better living is when you have a better indoor and outdoor exercise and strength, strength training program. Man, I'm active. And right now on my vacation, my wife and I are doing a lot of hiking. Man, I think that's a that's better living, man. Mm -hmm. uh, some people will say better living is just always learning. Uh, maybe it's new technologies. Maybe it's a new way to communicate. Maybe it's Facebook. I don't know. It's all part of better living. Some would say it's because I have a chance to flex my muscles with spiritual understanding or faith building. 
Uh, some will say better living is transportation. Can you help me with transportation? Some will say it's access to healthcare. And you know what service coordinators do? They do all that. <laughs> and it all adds up to better living for seniors. So when you hear that statement, advancing better living for seniors, don't think apartments, because that's selling us short. And it also makes our mission narrow in scope. We can really widen. And I would tell you that's a big part of my vision is how to advance better living for seniors that don't live with us. Are you ready for that? How do we advance better living for seniors that can't move in? Because we're full. There's no vacancy virtually all the time in front of our campuses, which is good, but it's not really advancing better living for very many people. 22,000? How many seniors we got in the world right now in America? Do you guys have any idea? I really don't even know. I would guess it's, oh, I do know. It's about 50 million. And I know that the 50 million is going to turn into 100 million in the next 15 years. That's crazy numbers. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of work to do. So when do you, you know, I've been here 15 years and, uh, you know, in the support services department. And for many years that we kind of took a backseat to the housing world. And then there seemed to be a shift. And I don't know when the shift was. I, I almost feel like it was about the time when you started getting more involved with uh, with not only housing, but healthcare. Right. Um, and I know that you had some uh, stuff going on with your parents around that same time, but it seems yeah. like around that whole sh time was it went from just housing. Oh yeah, we have some service coordinators. Oh, it's growing over there. But all of a sudden it became housing with services. What 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 happened? What was the the shift there? Was it you? I mean, what? How that all? Yeah. I mean, because if you look at or, our organization, our support services department, our service coordinators, right? I don't know. I think it's about seven years ago, eight years ago. I mean, the whole company shifted that way, right? It what, did. What I, was how that happened? I think it fits with what I just said, and that is the realization that we can't build enough. You just gotta you gotta realize that. We've been known for doing that and great. I mean, we'll just keep doing it. But 1,500 more apartments per year, that's 1,500 more people we touch. And I sit there and go, that's a great blessing, right? Um, but I feel like with the, that the number of people who are hitting into those crisis years is doubling or tripling every year and we're, and we're just watching it. And so, because we always wanted to build a building first. And I suppose it started with a strategic plan it was six years ago. Uh, when the board embraced it and said, yeah, we see the problem. Uh, we see the problem. If all we do is talk about housing and building more campuses, that we're going to grow at a snail's pace. And who would think that 1,500 units is a snail's pace? That's basically a new apartment building every single month. But it doesn't, you build any graph out, you'll see that we're not catching up, we're losing ground. So maybe it's that realization. Um, and I would say, uh, the second part is that we get a louder voice than we actually should. We are viewed as the, the speaker for this, this topic. And I know there's organizations that are 10 times our size, but we have great influence. And so when we speak, people listen. And so we started advancing the cause. And everybody said, well, if National Church Residences is doing it, we better do it. And it kind of picked up steam. Uh, and I would tell you that on the service side, service provision, not service coordination alone, but service provision, we're small. Service coordination, we're big. We're actually doing service coordination and probably half the time we're not even on our own campus. 
And I'm going to get you to think one step fur further, and that's that we don't do it on the campus at all. Because most people want to stay home. You know, 70% of the people don't plan to ever leave their home, period. And only 10% will ever move into one of our campuses. So 20% are kind of stuck. They'd like to move and can't. But think about the number of people that will never move in. Now, I think that Journey Guide and other tools that we have, including online service coordination, it's coming, whether we like it or not, it's coming. Uh, it could expand us ridiculously. Most people don't understand this journey. They don't understand the language of the journey. They don't know the life change that's going to happen. And when they get there, they wonder, where in the world am I going to get support? And I don't think we have always had the solution, but man, we want to play. We want, we want to help. We want to engage. And I think we're going to measure ourselves on our engagement strategies, not on check the box, did we have this programming or element or this. It's our ability to engage. That means that we're participating in their decision making. We're guiding. We're advancing better living. We're not just handing out flyers. Don't want that. Right. Right. Here, I went further than you wanted me to go there. No, that was perfect. I, I was listening. I, I didn't even look at my next question. So, Terry, <laughs> I was just going to mention that I think this is a great. Um, you're making really great points that kind of. Um, wrap wrap a bow around our last couple podcasts we've been talking with service coordinators about programs that are community-based or that are you know that we're using one of our sites as almost like a hub for the community around it um and so i just thought it's it's a very interesting kind of narrative and if if you're listening and you haven't watched yet podcasts five or six go back and and check them out because this is a really good um, tie-in to those two because yeah. um, you know we're hearing from the service coordinators that are making that impact in community-based settings and by leveraging the infrastructure that we have with our affordable housing sites we're able to oh, yeah. easily get these programs up and running and find partners um, it so makes I don't us know visible the real that. estate yeah. makes you visible you're believable if we mm -hmm. just rented a little space in a shopping center and said national church residences is here nobody would notice us. It's those campuses that make us real, kind of like banks don't really need to have buildings anymore. But if you never saw a bank with a building, you'd worry if they were real. So I think the campuses help market us, I would say, but we can be a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's, um, you know, you're speaking to the future of our organization and the industry, but the idea that the legacy is affordable housing and that affordable housing is the foundation on which the, the services and expansion of care for seniors is going to be built upon. Um, yeah. A lot of the service coordinators who listen to the podcast are building-based service coordinators. And I think them hearing the vision of, um, you, you know, I don't know if you guys know that the, the Girl Scout song that is about, you know, they're, make new friends but keep the old some one is silver and the other is gold um that's how i think of service coordinators that our our affordable housing service coordinators are are the gold that we're 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 mining and able to grab the silver on top of um so you know it's it's very interesting to hear you talk about kind of the big vision that is is the bigger picture around those other you bet I, I would be happy if all we did was 1500 units a year of additional housing and one service coordinator for every hundred. I would be all right with that. But it feels 
easy. Honestly, for us, that's easy. So I'm always trying to think about what should we be using our good to do? We've built 61 years of know-how and we're really good. I mean, really good. Uh, and so I sit there and go, and we could rest on that and say, that's great. But I'm always trying to think, you know, when I get to heaven, I want the gates to be wide open and said, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you were given a lot, but you did a lot with it. You know, and that, that's kind of where my heart goes is the idea that um, to settle for a new, a new community every month, to me, feels like it's settling. One service coordinator for 100, that sounds like it's settling. We do a great job at that. I'll never stop applauding that. I'll never stop applauding it. It's the basis of what we're doing. Uh, all of our learnings are there. But COVID did something to us. It messed with us. It turned our service coordination into a closet thing where nobody can get out. and We're all trying to figure out how do I engage when I can't do anything. And Oh, Zoom or some equivalent to Zoom. Hey, I can talk to people. And that, that's a, that's a, there's a little something going on there that's good. Not all good, but there's something good. There's some nuggets of good in there. Definitely. Oh, I just thought, imagine, imagine COVID going on and our seniors don't have service coordinators to turn to. What a mess that would have been. So, and our board, uh, when, when the COVID hit and everybody went indoors, the first thing our board said is, how do we engage our service coordinators to expand beyond their buildings? Because we had people that had home health services, and we don't have service coordination uh, even at our senior living campuses. We have some people that did uh, programming, but service coordination is not programming. <laughs> it's a lot bigger than programming. And so we have to almost retrain those folks uh, in, in our senior living campuses, nursing home, assisted living, independent living, because they didn't have the skill set you had. And now we kind of see them coming together because of COVID. Uh, and I think it's gonna, gonna be a wonderful addition to our mission capability. So kind of looking back at what you've just said, uh, for service coordinators, you've said there's gonna be a lot more opportunities for service coordinators in the future, it sounds like, whether it's more buildings, more opportunities to be a service coordinator, but, uh, you know, I think the beyond our buildings, uh, you know, that's definitely something service coordinators can be, can be looking forward to. So what, what's, what's next for you, Mark? Uh, you know, are you, you plan on being here another 20 years or so? I mean, yeah, I know I'm, six, you just, I'm 61, dude. Can you believe that crap? 61, wow, okay. 61, yeah. All right, so uh, 18 I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I never really think about it. I do think about being in the way of good ideas and the next great leader. Uh, I do think about that. Um, but uh, I feel like that's probably something nobody wants to hear. And so uh, I would say the next five years are all about, I would call the word succession planning. And that is my ability to look at the organization, the board look at the organization, and what will we need for the next generation of, of our mission. Uh, and so I do think about it. I, I don't talk about it publicly very often because it sounds like I'm quitting. I ain't quitting. Uh, but it'd be stupid, wouldn't it, to not think about the next leader? When yeah. I came on board, I'm sure Tom thought that He's not going to be here forever. Tom Slemmer is the previous CEO, for those of you that don't know. And we've only had three. Isn't that weird? 61 years and three leaders. Wow. Um, but I do look at, at that succession, and I do look at uh, the fact that uh, the organization uh, represents an incredible diverse perspective, um, but the leader has not been very diverse. Uh, and so I, I think about that a lot. Uh, because of the population we serve is all ethnicities, uh, all races. In fact, 
you know, it's, it's incredibly diverse. Uh, and so that's a big part of what's going on in my head. And I also think about uh, employee engagement a lot. Uh, it used to be I, I measured all of my success on hitting budget and having a certain number of new campuses and the number of service coordinators and our, what's that rascal score? And our React score, that's the way I measure everything, you know. Today I look at it more in terms of the passion of the people that work for us. Because the badge means nothing if the person who's wearing it doesn't have passion. Uh, and so our engagement, our employee engagement score is probably my number one metric. And so that's new to me. That was not what I thought about six years ago. Uh, but I can tell you that that will change the mission. If people fall in love with the people that they see on the front lines uh, that are out there and their face that are really helping, if they fall in love, the mission will expand incredibly. So I feel like human engagement is probably the number one thing I'll focus on in the next five years. Is And I, it's kind of been what I did here the last five. Didn't know I could do it. Didn't know I'd enjoy it. But now I can see the importance of it. Right. Sounds like you're becoming a service coordinator. <laughs> hey, careful, careful. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that job. Maybe that's what I'll do. Oh. Uh, take our best campus and an extra tired service square call me. Can you guys train me to do this job? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the best training is to have a couple <laughs> parents go through the aging process. Actually, I think <laughs> you guys know that uh, three of, of my in-laws, my, my mother-in-law, my father, and my mother, all received National Church Residences care. Uh, in the last three to five years of life. First, it started with a home health aide uh, and actually service coordination. I just had access to Terry. I'd say, Terry, what do I do next? Uh, and I would get clued in, but my parents were not people of means. And so they couldn't move into one of those senior campuses and afford it. And actually they made too much to move into our affordable housing campuses. So we, we provided the, the care through home health, just a couple hours a day initially, uh, maybe three days a week, and then it became a couple hours a day, five days a week, and then it became, oh my gosh, we're running out of money. Uh, what are we going to do here? And so it was a it was a scrambled mess to try and get through it. But as it turns out, National Church Residences was there every step of the way. And for my dad's journey, it was about five years from initial signs of dementia to full onset frontal lobe dementia. My dad was pretty unruly. Uh, real tough. And uh, then my mother-in-law, 17 years, National Church Residences Home Services went in and out of their home. Wow. 17 years, seven days a week for 17 years, about an hour a day. And it basically saved my father-in-law, who's still living today at 87, as they went through that. And then my mother's, my mother's journey as a nurse was very quick. Um, but again, started with home services, started with a little help at home, and then ultimately uh, she finished the last six months of her life in one of our care campuses. But uh, I know a lot about what it costs to grow old, what it costs yeah. for care, and how to get a few nickels and stretch it out over time. And they all, my, my parents basically finished at zero, uh, but they never had to go on any special need plan. They didn't ever get anything with Medicaid, uh, but we stretched it out all the way to zero. And I felt like that was a blessing. Thank you, Definitely. National Church Residences. Definitely. Well, Mark, uh, I appreciate your time. Um, it's fun to look back at the journey because, you know, it really was just about housing and then the transition. And I think you were a big part of that and that doesn't go unnoticed. 
And so thank you for that. And uh, yeah, keep on pushing forward. And the next successor down the road, 10 years, 20 years down the road, you know, I, I think uh, I think they'll see what you've done and, and be amazed and uh, they'll have uh, some big shoes to fill, I, I, I believe. So thank you so much for joining the podcast. And uh, thank you, Tara. And uh, if you have not subscribed or liked or commented and all that good stuff, please do Especially so. this show. Yeah, this this is probably maybe the best one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so right. much, and uh, we'll see you guys you later. Too. Thanks. Sure hope to touch you guys soon. Give you a handshake or something. I feel like everything's so sterile. Yeah, I don't see think I've seen you in like two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. All right, we'll see you.